You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. I see this passage through a a justice for women lens where Jesus is more concerned about the well-being of women who could be divorced and sent away from their homes with no economic protection within a patriarchal system that was tied to one's economic survival. Jesus' primary concern was for women's well-being. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode episode 390. Our title this week is Jesus, Patriarchy, and the Well-Being of Women, and our reading is from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 10, 2-16. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took his children he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So multiple sources in the early Jesus movement attest that that Jesus spoke against divorce. And these sources both agree and they disagree about what Jesus actually said and about what he might have meant by what he said. This week, I want to consider possible reasons for which Jesus could have spoken against divorce within his first century Judean culture. Christians today, I think, do a great deal of harm by shallowly thinking that Jesus was just against all divorce, especially divorce as it's practiced in our society today, rather than being opposed to a a specific kind of divorce that was practiced in his own society. In Mark's narrative, again, Jesus appears to be anti-divorce. And I want to consider why. The divorce laws that are referenced are said to have been created because of patriarchal obstinance. Originally, a man could send away any of his wives for the slightest displeasure. And by the time we get to Mark's gospel, Jesus opposes this kind of divorce, which left women in a a male-centered society with little economic protections. Jesus's opposition was rooted in mitigating harm for women facing little to no recognition and much less 
protection of their equal rights. So, so he argues that while men may have created a legal loophole to avoid committing, quote-unquote, adultery, they were not avoiding adultery, but simply transforming it. Verse 12 of this passage also says, if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. And on the surface, this sentence, I think, seems to distract from Jesus's opposition and his critique of patriarchy. But I believe the sentence is present in Mark because this gospel was written for both Jewish and Roman Gentile Jesus communities. And while under Israelite law, only men had the right to divorce their wives, which is the origin of this narrative, Roman marital law permitted divorce to be initiated by both men and and women. So there you have the, the larger application in, in Mark's gospel. I see this passage through a, a justice for women lens, where Jesus is more concerned about the well-being of women who could be divorced and sent away from their homes with no economic protection within a patriarchal system that was tied to one's economic survival. Jesus's primary concern was for women's well-being, not, not the protection of a heterosexual monogamous marital institution, as many in certain sectors of evangelical Christianity define it today. And I also want to note that the story describes some Pharisees. There were two schools of Pharisaical interpretation in Jesus' time, the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai. And these schools forcefully debated uh, divorce. And as we interpret this passage, I want to also acknowledge that interpretations of this passage are often deeply heterosexist. I reject binary interpretations of the Hebrew creation story and, and both the Genesis story and Jesus' words here. We have to remember it's not male or female, but male and female. God created a spectrum in these stories, male on one end, female on the the other and and the whole graduated spectrum in between these poles of identity are included in that just like the phrase alpha and omega that doesn't imply that there are only two greek letters rather there's a whole alphabet between the first letter alpha and omega the last each of these uh, uh, spectrums uh, we have to acknowledge in the story and each of us we live somewhere on the gender spectrum identifying gender identity, sexual attraction, uh, gender expression, etc. All along that gradation, each one of us finds ourselves somewhere on that scale. And in the Hebrew creation story, we read of, of the creation of a day and night as an illustration. And that's not a hard binary of, of day or night, but day and night. These are two ends of a spectrum that can produce beautiful sunrises, beautiful sunsets, beautiful dawns, evenings, twilights. And these states are neither day nor night alone, but, but, but somewhere on a spectrum between the two. And I also see Jesus's phrase at the beginning of creation, God made the man Male and female as a, a stating that from the beginning, God did not create patriarchy. Men did. In the Hebrew creation story, God creates male and female side by side, both in the image of God. The, the woman is not given to the man to continue his, his lineage as 
patriarchal social structures do, but both male and female and the spectrum between them, they bear the image of God uh, equally. And, 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 and they're male and female, one body, one flesh, spread out by creation and combined again in equity to create another oneness, a commonality, a new social relationship or a, a new kinship, mind you. Anytime that people join together, to create a new kinship, we see this reunifying creativity at work. Being flesh of one's flesh, remember, in the Hebrew scriptures is not about the sexual unity of, of one man and one woman. It's about creating a new kinship bond between human beings, making family from previously unjoined people. Laban said to his nephew Jacob, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Uh, and you can find more on this if, you, if, you're, if that, that reading is new to you, you can find this in Genesis 29, 14, 2 Samuel 5, 1, Judges 9, 2, 2 Samuel 19, 12, and 1 Chronicles 11, 1. So I interpret all of this, Jesus as, as, as not being against divorce wholesale in this passage. Rather, he's against the patriarchal practice of his day that undermined the coupling and equality that was communicated in the Hebrew origin story and and then left a woman in within his society with very little means to to survive he's standing in the spirit of Malachi 216 also written again in a patriarchal context uh, where it states the man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord the God of Israel does violence to the one who he should protect says the Lord Almighty so be on guard and do not be unfaithful even in Malachi, the the uh, uh, the the concern is uh, not doing violence to those we should protect, not doing violence to our partners who we should uh, protect. And some translations of Malachi two sixteen do state that God hates divorce. And even if that's an accurate translation, I grew up witnessing multiple abusive parental relationships, and and I have come to the conclusion that some marriages. God hates even more than divorce. So our reading this week ends with Jesus' blessing of the children, and that's where I'd like to end too. I like the way that Reverend Wilda C. Gaffney, uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Wilda C. Gaffney, translates both this portion of our reading in her A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church, Year W. This is from page 296. Her translation reads, Now people were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was angry and said to them, Let the little children come to me, do not prevent them, for it is to such as these that the realm of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the reign of God as a little child will never enter it. And Jesus took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So I read this story on the blessing of the children as primarily about social location. It grounds the, the early Jesus movement in the work of blessing and liberating those on the most peripheral edges of any society. In The Shape of the Past, Models and Antiquity, Thomas Carney, he describes childhood at the time of Jesus when he states early training was harshly disciplined. It was not until early adulthood that the young person began receiving serious consideration as a member of, the, of a family group. Again, 
as as I said last week, uh, in any marginalized group or society that marginalizes anyone, children are usually within, especially within the marginalized community, are even on the margins of that community. So they are the most furthest marginalized in any society. Um, uh, they're the most the the most outcast among the outcasts, the most disenfranchised among the disenfranchised. And how treat children are treated then is the proverbial canary in the coal mine. In this story, Jesus states that those with privilege and power, they must be willing to live in solidarity as those who are forced to the bottom or the edges of their present society to even enter the reign of God. This is one reason why it's so very hard for the rich to enter the reign of God in the Gospels. You can find this in Mark's Gospel too, Mark 10, verse 23 and 25. And something else I appreciate in Jesus's blessing that I rarely hear spoken about is his anger here. This story legitimizes anger towards attempts to to keep uh, hindering anyone from coming to Jesus. More broadly, it also legitimizes anger as a valid emotion for Jesus followers to to have toward all injustice. It's not just okay, but it's actually right for us to be angry when we see vulnerable people and communities being harmed. And there's a lot to ponder this week in this week's reading for sure. Regardless of your own interpretations, uh, may we interpret these stories in ways that lead us ever deeper into our work of making our world a safer, more compassionate, and just home for everyone. Till the, as we often say, till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. Heart group application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what does Jesus' teaching on the, the well-being of women or the liberation of women within both Roman and Jewish patriarchal structures, what does that imply for Jesus' followers within patriarchal structures of their own today? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can we do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into that safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you.